Welcome to another episode of the Music and Photography Podcast. I'm Billy Sanford, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Rob Knight. Rob, thank you for taking a little bit of time for me. How are you? I'm brilliant, thank you. And hello, Billy, and thank you so much for asking me. It's uh, uh, great to actually be involved in a slightly different community for a change. That's fab. (laughs) Absolutely. So we were chatting just a little bit before we started recording, and, and you and I got connected through our mutual friend, Hillary Clark, who was also a former guest on the podcast here. And and when she was on, she talked to us a little bit about a project she had done based around her family piano uh, that had been in her you know family throughout her life. But she was doing that project as part of a workshop she was taking with you. And so I do want to talk a little bit about the workshop work in a little bit, but I thought maybe just to get us started, you could tell us a little bit about R&K Photographic and and some of the work that that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, so I've been taking pictures or making pictures, whatever you would like to call it, for a good number of, most of my life. Um, I've we myself and my wife we we run sort of the R&K Photographic operation. Um, We're big believers in sort of creative process and thinking as much as anything else. So a lot of that, the workshops that we do are designed around thinking and reflection and digging that little bit deeper and maybe exploring an idea um, longer and um, more intently um, than necessarily sort of focusing on kind of standalone shots and things like that. So we do like to kind of embody that in both the online workshops that we run quite a number of um, and I've designed those with a, a very good friend of mine, uh, David Noble, who was head of photography at uh, the University of Staffordshire before his retirement. And we also run sort of location-based workshops or predominantly we, we only work in a couple of locations in the UK. So I love the, the remote West Highlands of Scotland, a place called Ardnamurkin, which is uh, a geographer's playground that's be my education as a as a geographer so it's a place to go and geek out over geology and rocks and uh, <laughs> get a bit happy but uh, so yeah the, the photography kind of in a way grew from a love of the land and people and place um, so that's probably all the way from my education into the work and the photography right okay well, uh, so was there someone, a, a parent or grandparent or someone in your family that got you interested in photography in the beginning? Or did you just pick it up uh, just out of your own curiosity? 
it's it's a puzzling one actually because you know i know a lot of people sort of say oh, i remember when me my dad gave me the first box brownie i ever had but uh no i mean I, my parents have always encouraged me to, to kind of take pictures and be creative i remember getting a helena 110 sort of flip fold camera with right. cartridges in it back in back when i was probably about seven or eight okay. and then my dad gave me his uh, olympus trip 35 which i still have upstairs a lovely bit of kit and um so i guess you know certainly parents uh, and you know my grandparents as well were just avid travelers in the uk and just love going out exploring and that kind of love of the landscape is probably was embedded from family and my grandparents and then two hugely inspiring geography teachers at school at secondary school in england so that kind of 11 to 16 period who, who really kind of captured that imagination of a love of the landscape um, as much as everything else and, and people and place so the photography follows on from that in that sense right okay and and certainly looking through your instagram feed there is a lot of of landscape work there which which is brilliant but you so aside from the workshops you also do commission work too right is is that any subject matter yeah i mean i'm I'm quite happy i've done events i've i'll shoot concerts um people places buildings any anything at all i grew up with i guess concert photography at university uh, so okay. this i guess where the, the love of music helps um so i did some shooting for the student magazine back in the days and sort of photographed the lights of oasis and paul weller and australian kind of mod band called UMI, uh, the Blue Tones amongst others. So so I guess, yeah, photography, as much as I love the landscape and I love telling stories, um, right. it, it's actually just, yeah, it, it could be almost anything. Predominantly landscape, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I will turn my hand and my inspiration to anything. So projects tend to grow out of all manner of sources i guess in that sense right okay well so and we don't typically focus a whole lot on the gear uh in in these chats but it's i'm always curious and especially with the concert photography like you mentioned do you remember kind of what kit you were using back in those days because it can be kind of tricky sometimes yeah i think i um i did a mix so i used to for some of the kind of stuff that was kind of quite wide and i like the cop the feel of being sort of in the pit almost right. and it was i remember there's an american photographer who did a lot of stuff around the seattle scene and i, I always struggle to remember his name very very kind of linked into the sub pop scene i love his work right. um and so i used a, the trip 35 olympus trip 35 was a fairly wide thing but uh right. I, I used to use the uh practica bx20 back in back in the days when i shot on film okay at, at gigs right okay as your photography did progress and and go along how, how did you get interested in doing the educational side of it i think it's probably grown through i guess through my focus at the time when I went through school and college and university I, I was all set to go and be in it uh, go and teach geography 
right. and then you have this kind of strange about turn in in life as we often do um so the education side's always been important not necessarily always linked to photography and then in lots of jobs and things i've done over the years in retail and in it i've always taught so the photography side you know it felt like a natural kind of thing to include actually quite you know 10 of 15 years ago it, was, it felt like a natural thing i just loved the process of working with other people right. uh, hopefully starting you know setting people off on a bit of a, a journey and also you know the, the immeasurable amount of stuff that you learn off the people you work with whether even if they're you know your students or what clients whatever you want to turn them you know you always learn off somebody else so it, it's a very two-way experience the education thing for me so and that's what inspires me about it right i was going to ask about that because it is a subject that comes up you know i i ask people about music and photography but it's it's sort of everyone i'm talking to i know through photography but they also have this musical side to them and one of the common things it seems like, you know, photography is a thing that we often do alone. Uh, a lot of us, uh, we might be out exploring an area or walking around downtown or something like that. But there is this social aspect to it as well. If, if we go on a photo walk or a photo meetup or something of that nature, and like you were just talking about with the workshops, that's, that's often a, a group environment. <laughs> And so from your perspective, as as someone who does teach, I mean, we, you know, a lot of times we like that one on one experience. But as you mentioned, a, a lot of times in a group setting, you know, someone may ask a question that may lead to another discussion that what, what are kind of your insights into like a one on one learning experience versus that group dynamic? Um, I, th I think it, it depends very much on the you know the individual that you're working with some people thrive better in a in a one-to-one -one, whether it's a, a confidence thing whether it's they they prefer the focus or whether they, they feel lost within the group uh, and i think so i think you have to kind of be quite mindful of what experience works best for people so you know we do offer you know both group and one-to-one and -one in that sense and it, and it's you know i've always found that same in from working in higher education as well you know some people feed off the energy of a group from a learnings perspective and you know and i think the fantastic thing about the group learning experience is you know and i, and I think it'd be very it's too easy as, as kind of maybe the the person at the front to, of the workshop or at the teaching stage or whatever to you know to to think that you know everything and you know and it's never never like that i think the beauty of a group experience is that you know we all learn from each other in different ways and different people will solve problems photographically creatively they'll approach a way of doing it in their own way and i think so we tend to term a lot of the workshops that we do as groups is not about teaching definitives and a way of doing things it's about building a toolkit and it's about building a sort of you know imagine robin hood pulling his arrows out of it <laughs> from from behind him and you know and he's right. got a short one 
you know, for close combat, a longer one that he can, you know, fire. Uh, and that creatively and photographically works so much in that sense when you people are building projects or working I think if they can learn and learn something off each other right and be open to perspectives I think that's a really important thing for me is is just being open to the differences of ideas thought processes problem solving uh, and you always find in a group that you know if somebody's stuck or if somebody's in a bit of a creative rut or they're struggling to get out of, you know, what they would normally do, you know, photographically, that there's normally some, you know, somebody else who in the group who, who's been through that self-same thing and it's shared experience, I guess, and that shared experience can just, just help people through. So in that sense, it, you know, I, I class myself as the, and it's a, you know, the, the guide in a way on the, you know, who's sort of to the side, and, and actually, you know, it's about what the group, what everybody does for each other on a on a group learning experience. But you know, the one to ones, you know, and one to one learning can be hugely important if you want to do accelerated learning and and maybe have a, a real focus on something quite minute. You can push through uh, and address something quite quickly that way. But it's, I think, it just a lot of it comes down to. to to what kind of learner people are in a way some people like I say some people thrive off a thirst for knowledge and, and and almost kind of becoming a sponge and just taking stuff in stripped from one person where where others like you know like to be not just about learning technicalities or facts or ideas but it's actually being able to discuss and challenge and reflect and that I don't think it's as easy to do that in a in a small setting as it is a group. Right. So the average attendee of one of your workshops are are do most of them have at least a little bit of ex, uh, photo, photography experience, or do you get many just very very uh, beginners in the craft? I, I guess I'm I'm wondering how much you assume they know coming in. I guess. Um, well, well, we, we assume nothing, uh, you know, and I always, we do a huge amount of work with people pre-workshop because, you know, especially if it's a residential or, you know, a location-based, and the last thing you want to be doing is the, the kind of, the tutor finding out who you are and what you know as the, right. as the glorious light and the sun rises there and, breaking, <laughs> and you've got somebody waffling in your ear and you right. just want to take photos. Um, <laughs> And so we try and flip that on it on its head a little bit and and i guess that's where it kind of dips back into the the idea of learning theories and, and various other things and and that whole idea of kind of flip learning so we try and do as you know especially with technology nowadays there's no excuse in a way for not front loading a lot of the kind of really didactic boring stuff so you can find out lots about people you can and give them fairly structured information um in advance so you know we're quite happy when we have people from who are, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use the j word and i know my my good friend david who we do the workshops <laughs> will be expecting me to put a pound in the uh in the cliche jar at this <laughs> right but, yeah I, I think it's you know we have people at the beginning of the photographic journey to people who, who are much further on and much more experienced and 
I will happily work with anybody and everybody in that sense. And I actually think it's, it's hugely important having the kind of the people who, who are maybe at the beginning of the journey in terms of how instinctive they are in a way, how in some ways less tainted by structures and concepts and rules and expectations and social media to some extent they right. can be you know it's a little bit like you know as a kid you think you know if somebody gave you a camera as a kid you're quite happy you'd work the damn thing out and you'd be taking <laughs> you'd be taking pictures and you don't need a, a set of rules uh, about how you expose a picture about how you frame it you work it out as you go along um and maybe as we learn lots of rules we, we get to a point where things can feel a little bit like you're on a set of railway lines and you just you're always following those lines and it's nice to kind of unlearn as i call it uh, and, and sort of push, push all the stuff you've learned to the back right. uh, a bit later on and give yourself the freedom to re-embrace being instinctive being that kind of early pop early creative again so i think having people at different stages is hugely beneficial to each other because they can they can add to each other's experience that sense that makes sense and that and that sort of speaks to the the other thing i wanted to ask about because whatever technical hurdles a, a person might come across you know working through the menus or the settings of their cameras or anything have, have you noticed that there are any kind of common stumbling blocks that people come into the experience with? Yeah, I think the, the thing people potentially struggle with the most, and it is the kind of the, you know, the mid journey photographer in that sense, is the biggest struggle, you know, like I say, when you start early doors, everything's low stakes, you have a go, failure is part of the process of learning of making better pictures of understanding who you are and you get back to that at some point much further down the journey but somewhere in the middle and i think the, these are we you know i have kind of worked with people who struggle to feel that they can let go of the shackles that they they, they don't have to have rules and actually we do see people on the workshops who really struggle with the fact to start with, for the, maybe the first day or two on a week-long residential, you know, it's that concept. You're, you're not telling us what we're taking pictures of. You're not putting our tripods. You know, we're not all facing the same thing. And that whole idea of kind of photographing based on your own reaction to place or to scene or to subject matter and actually being instinctive and trying to craft a picture based on that kind of two-way relationship between you and something out there hillary did actually say to me on the last on the last workshop and i won't mention any other names but she says do, do you know that when you when you were cooking tea such as such a person said what's oh, all this psycho babble that rob spouts <laughs> <laughs> and so so it is i think and and, and i guess it's to be expected because in a way, not just in photography, but, you know, in, in life and in work and in education, versus we're kind of scaffolders. We're, go we're governed by structure and rules and that whole kind of process that takes us through things. And actually to, to step outside of that can feel quite uneasy, you know, and uh, 
so that's the thing I really enjoy actually is, is the people who you know went, break through those tough times and, and can and embrace that and actually you then start to see so much more about who they are creatively you know and the pictures they make and you hear you know you'll chat and you'll tell you stories about I made this let me I used to come here or somewhere very much like this with my dad and now I'm thinking about standing in, on this beach with my dad 40 years ago and they're, they're the kind of connections that I think are probably more important than a technically perfect photo it, it's all about what a, a picture means both to you you know as the artist of the maker and actually the the memories then that it can invoke in other people or the the kind of the perceptions that it can invoke in other people so and that's the magic for me of photography it, it's such an open-ended it's such an, an inspirational medium it really is and you know we touched on project work so my my son is a pole vaulter he participates in track and field oh, wow. <laughs> and so i might be at a track meet somewhere i wouldn't ordinarily be and if i have an hour before he starts i might walk around the campus or wherever i am and just snap some some photos so it, it seems a little bit random in those scenarios versus intentionally approaching something from a project uh, perspective and and you wrote a, a little bit about that on your blog as well kind of your process of going through a project and i was wondering if you could share some of your thoughts about that yeah yeah i i, I guess actually you know you know and i and actually the single image is a fantastic thing as mm -hmm. well I, you know i think that the single image that stops you is a fantastic thing but uh I just think the whole process of engaging with it, it might be an idea you have at the start, or it might be something it evolves that's triggered by just, you know, one photo, one chance wandering down a, a lane or a street, or, you know, some one moment of magic that just sparks an idea. Um, so I'm a huge believer in sort of, you know, a, the idea of a notebook or a creative journal very very personal thing something that you can just throw all your ideas in um, as they come up and the best ones always come at the times when you're trying not to focus on them i always say it's a, you know you might be cooking you might be watching tv and you might that kind of subconscious brains doing creative things that you you're not focusing on and all of a sudden something pop into your head you might be out walking the dog. I find so many ideas <laughs> from when I'm out walking the dog. Uh, right. And, you know, when we do a huge amount of that, you know, depending on where we are, um, you know, and I tend to walk the same route. So it kind of process of repetition in a way helps build an idea of project because I always find if an, if an idea, if something, something presents itself to you, uh, or you start making pictures and you start to see connections uh, and you can start very low stakes with you know making pictures because you just love making pictures and you know and the whole idea of creative exercise and exercising the vision and the eye and the and the kind of compositional thought process you know like you say you could make pictures on a lunch hour at work as as you talk about you know being right. a, a, you know a college event um right. And 
but you never know and this is the magic of these things you never know what it is that you're something you may photograph or an idea or a shape or something that happens might just lead itself into a project so that i love the idea of kind of an open-ended start right i tend to be a huge huge advocate of kind of narrowing trying narrowing down but not forcing yourself to be too narrow so it's you know allow yourself if you're exploring a creative project to go off in different directions to come up against dead ends against ideas that actually you mean all right i'll i'll push that that's a sub project that'll go somewhere else for in the future or you know or you may get part way through a project and think this seemed like a brilliant idea, but I'm just not feeling <laughs> right now. And I think, and I think actually, there's so much as it's like a perfect storm in a way. I think there's got to be so much right about the inspiration, the creative idea process, you as a person, and how you're feeling, and what's going on in life, and how the world's treating you, and this and the other. You know, you, you can sometimes try and force things project-wise, and and if it's not the right time to do it you know i think you're better off parking so so i'm i'm very open minded and open ended around that process lots of notes throw pictures down a little bit of and analyze them try and understand my own idea process my own thought process scribble on stuff and i tend to kind of i'm a, a the, the wife would call me belligerent <laughs> <laughs> because no, i tend to be a belligerent problem solver if there's a problem i will get to the bottom of it somehow uh, <laughs> so if, if 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 kind of a project rears its rears up and says hey this, this is worth working on i will just i'll work at it as long as it feels right and i'll just keep pushing and pushing uh, and trying the ideas and bringing stuff in throwing stuff out you know reading around an idea looking outside for inspiration listening to the right kind of music to put me in the right kind of mood to continue the project uh, and i just tend to work and work and some of them can be really short they can you know a project can last an afternoon or an hour so we you know we often do on the workshops we do very short focus projects with the group we'll give them there's your subject matter it's that house on the side of a lock with a red roof go and explore everything you can about it visually and creatively and where and also a project could last years um right and and i think that again i just think that's the it's really exciting thing about them it's you can piece ideas together and it just becomes something that can become your kind of your zen space somewhere to fall into creatively and and really kind of there's a a guy who's really inspirational he used to be working in the education sector and was a speaker a guy called sir ken robinson i think he did the most watched uh, ted talk ever about oh, creativity uh, oh. and he had he had this theory of kind of getting into the zone or your kind of creative space and actually once you're in there things become easy because it's like a, you know it's like that kind of boulder that's rolling down a hill gathering momentum gathering you know just utter unstoppable force and, that, and that's projects for me work on that sense i you know I, I encourage people to push against the blocks 
if if it's not feeling right step away if it's absolutely not the right time and dip in and dip out maybe have a number on the go all at once but uh you know just the whole idea of piecing an idea together and seeing seeing actually what that kind of inference of one picture then another picture and then another picture where they lead to what what that body of work just starts to say to you um and what it gives you back is it, just magical it is it is and then i think that last bit there touched on uh something i was curious about because if you are working on a project eventually you need to curate the work that you've produced <laughs> and this can be tricky or or it, it often is for me and and it may not even be a structured project I'm working on but if if something has caught my eye I may have taken a wide angle uh, image of it and a, and a really tight telephoto image of it and I can't decide which one I like best so I suspect the answer to this question may be different all the time, but I guess so to just give us a little framework to talk about it. Let's assume you're working on some project that has been going for a month or two and you feel like you're ready to get to that point. Do you find that the images just the right ones just identify themselves to you or, or it tells the story the way you want to tell it or kind of what, what what is that curation process like for you yeah it, it's an interesting way it, it, it's it's quite dynamic it does differ time on time sometimes things will come together much easier others they will be quite tricky and you know and i, and I think that's the the kind of message really for people is you know is that we all struggle at times project you know body of work wise in making sense of it but you can kind of set yourself a little bit of a, a framework as you say i think to to kind of help you along um so i tend to start with the process the hardest thing about a project is to have not enough work um because if you've not got enough if the one thing i say to students a lot on our workshops is don't leave pictures unmade if, if you leave ideas untested and pictures unmade you will end up with a really tight kind of set of pictures that is hard to curate because there are gaps that you don't know are there uh, they you know they may all be high tempo kind of standout images and sometimes you, it's a little bit like you know listening to an album your favorite album you need the quiet moments you need the connecting things so i think it's definitely as a starting point is make on a project especially give yourself permission you know and, and this is the hardest thing certainly for anybody who works in the realm of film you know it the one thing it teaches us to slow down to value the frame um but and that's the that is the hardest thing project wise is you've actually a little bit got to let go of that and maybe that's where you've got to embrace whether it be the you know the the phone camera or the digital camera to be become a sketchbook to allow yourself to test ideas so i will say make more work you know a bit like a bit like a movie what you see in an hour and a half long movie is probably about 20 percent of all the footage that was actually taken that right. was edited and curated to tell that story but without everything 
they, they've never got to that point because it <laughs> felt too tight. So definitely with right. pitch projects, make make more. Don't leave ideas untested. If something suggests to you instinctively there might be a photograph there, use it as a problem solving exercise. Make the photo. Then give yourself the time to kind of leave, let things rest for a while. Don't don't always feel you've got to kind of push on, push on, push on. Um, give yourself time to have a little bit of distance between the making and the curating and the organising, and come back come back at it with, in the cold light of day. Don't you know? Try not to be. We you know we've got to critique ourselves in a way because it, it, you know. We've, we've got to kind of drive ourselves for what are the ideal works that will work go in this body of work but equally you've got to also give yourself enough permission to not be too harsh on yourself and actually the stuff that if you're spending lots of time looking at a project without a break you'll dismiss images that are hugely important because oh no no it doesn't work or it's not powerful enough and actually you need the quiet moments you need the connectives you need space um so give, give yourself that permission to step away after uh, from it then the biggest thing and I, I use i use it like a digital ideation board a lot with the groups called some project uh, a product called millanote uh, mm -hmm. which i find fantastic uh, it just allows you to throw stuff down and move it around and throw notes on and and, and that's brilliant but i the other thing i say to people is print absolutely print and especially on a project you know if you've got cheap you know the sort of thing you'd print the word document on or and other other edit, word editing tools are available but uh, if you've got something like that um print yourself contact sheets out cut them up um, you, if you look back, you know, through history, the great, you know, the great photographers, the great project workers, you ever look at kind of the contact sheets of sort of Walker Evans and Ansel Adams, right. um, you know, they were real, really kind of prolific and they, they worked a lot of stuff into their bodies of work. So, you know, get it, get it off the digital realm, print it out, even if it's on cheap paper to start with, cut it up lay it out live with it for a while keep walking past it keep instinctively moving things around throwing things out joining images making grids making you know look at all the possibilities that the work offers for you um and then once you've lived for it a while never never rush that process is you know you'll then start to find where it how it project may chapter up or may find flow or form or narrative false narrative rhythm all manner of things um and then you can start moving around and and having a ghost you know and again keep living with it don't rush these processes and uh and i think by doing that and actually making it tactile the process of engaging with your own photography a physical print that you know that's fairly low state because it's on cheap paper and you think well i'm going to print the lovely ones later <laughs> it right. becomes it becomes less of a worry um and you you become quite free in your thinking about it uh, and over time you will start to find the the body of work or the images that are going to work and i think at that point you probably it's always handy and it, this isn't something you have to show to the world it although it sometimes can form parts of books or 
something on your website to kind of give people a hook of what the project's about. But write yourself, talk to yourself in writing and write write down what the project is about and, and test the pictures back against that ideal. And through kind of bouncing to and fro, you'll you'll soon work out whether the work you haven't quite got the words right you haven't quite refined what the project's about exactly or the pictures or you know exactly what the project's about but the pictures that aren't working is because they don't quite meet your own but they would call it a brief um right but yeah so keep testing them and, and be open to refine both the pictures and the project idea until at some they come together at a meeting point okay. um and that will help you with the curation process and then i also say to people if you're thinking about making a book like a book or you know and thinking about an exhibition let's actually kind of make this tactile and physical again so you know if i lay them out into you know get sheets of paper and staple them together and make a prototype of the book or, or use something like Book Creator online and, and have a go at it and actually see what the kind of the turn of the page does to a body of work and pairs and triples and sequenced images and where the words fall and where you need restful moments of kind of empty pages, blank pages, and then, then start playing, you know, as a package, you then start playing with all the other things that come into the sequence or, or a, a project. Sort of things like you know sound if if it's digital can you bring sound in if it's a physical book can you you know is writing going to be important do you need various things and i think over time and, and giving yourself plenty of time to do this process that kind of that fairly it's not a rigid structure but just a little bit of framework it can just get gets you from a to z often via a17 m36 and every <laughs> avenue and dead end possible but it, it's just giving yourself the freedom to spend the time and especially if it's your work isn't for a, a commissioned project you've not got a time scale to work with really it's a it's okay if it's personal to you you can leave it to rest for a while and you can sometimes step away and come back that whole idea you know when when you've been editing on lightroom or whatever and i i always use the analogy of um there's a, a british um comedy series called father ted which <laughs> right. is about kind of some so, some kind of catholic priests on a on a remote island in ireland uh and they're you know cursing is the, the least thing you'd expect um and they have this car that should have been a raffle prize and it's got a tiny scratch on it and you know ted Google says to i oh, just give it a tap knock it out it'll look fine and they keep going and going it just a bit more ted and before you know it they've got this like crushed metal cube <laughs> they went at it too long and they stayed looking at it. And both photography editing and projects are a little bit like that. If you don't step away, you don't appreciate where you've come from and where you've got to. You, I think you've got to give yourself the freedom to walk away from it and for a while or even for months or years. I've known people who've kind of stepped away from a project 
for any number of years and then come back to it when something tells them what it is they need to do with it. Right, right. One of the things that is always fascinating to me, and you touched on it a, a few times in the conversation up to this point about using music as inspiration. And we've talked about building a project and using, you know, ha or having musical influences and curating that work and and putting together something meaningful. And, and you actually have done this, right, with your book, Life's an Ocean. And you built a project around, you know, a musical inspiration and it combined your love of the landscape or areas close to the water, along with uh, the song by The Verb. So can you talk us through kind of how that came together for you and, and how you made those connections as you were working through that project? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first way, to, first thing to kind of frame it was say, you know, that music has been always been part of life. You know, I, mm -hmm. I remember buying my first sort of cassette album, which was Pelican West by Haircut 100 back in the <laughs> early 80s. Um, right, right. On, on, a, on a market. So I, I have memories that are shaped by music. Uh, so and I, and I always say to people, my life has a soundtrack, and the wife will tell you I can't even walk upstairs without kind of humming and singing to myself or making some kind of noise. It's not always overly musical. I'm not that musical in rendition, but right. uh, so music's always been hugely important. And I find photography is just such a it's got such an amazing relationship because it, it you know it can set the mood it can help you with an idea as an inspiration and certainly life's an ocean set i've always you know the coast has been again this comes back to my grandparents as i remember as a kid when i was young and in the summer holidays i would go you know they'd always take me up to the coast in england up to lincolnshire and it would be just about spending time at the coast um so the coast was has always been hugely important music's been hugely important so it was a way I just it felt natural to bring them together uh, and to try and find a way to work with those as stimuli. So I have so many favorite songs, albums, bodies of work musically that it is about finding one. And I don't think I actually set out even to, at first instance, it didn't even start out as a project. I was just making work and reconnecting with the sea and and enjoying that moment of being there and actually editing whilst I was at on location. So they were all shot on a mobile, on an iPhone. Other phones are available. Uh, but I think it's part way through or a very early kind of midway in, I was kind of like, I'm always listening to music whether when I'm out or I'm singing or very badly. And and the kind of quite often I'll be somewhere and a song will just instinctively come into my head from you know my back catalogue of listened inspiration. And it's a good job my web camera doesn't pan the room. <laughs> we have thousands of CDs and vinyl, it's quite scary. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> the the obsession of music fancy. Um Right. So Life's an Ocean really, it, it just presented itself to me one afternoon whilst I was making work that was evolving as a project and I found myself singing to it. So at, at that point I was kind of, 
yeah, let's work with this. But this has come to me for some reason. But you know, I I don't know why it's presented itself to me. So let let's take that as a stimuli. Let's take that as a starting point. And uh, I've always loved the the album, the the, the tracks on, uh, and that kind of that album by the Verve. I think he's just full of feeling and emotion. Right. Um, and and that kind of replicated. I think well, you know the coast is feeling an emotion for me as well so i took it then became about well how can i use the song as a starting point so um, i'm going to take it i'm going to break it down line by line and i'm going to kind of the whole idea of kind of transposing a line into an image without it being a literal translation so i think a lot of it was about the moment and the feeling of, of kind of of there and and you know how could reading and rereading those lyrics i think richard afrocroft is such an amazing lyricist right worked so well in that sense so it was about ordering it and structure and this is then when the kind of you, you start laying it out and the project wise and finding the idea of music and the fact that it, it has that kind of what they call like a narrative arc so it'll have rises and falls a moment of quiet and it build up uh, right. and it's been absolutely you know divinely crafted by the band um so you know it then becomes incumbent to kind of if you're going to use that as an inspiration to work out where the images go so it helps you in that sense it helped with the sequencing massively because right. i was able to kind of think about the lines and the lines and the relationship to the song or the music at the time and, and the, everything from volume from tempo from the mood and, and just try and try and lay that out and and i and it just found that it, it worked for me really really well really beautifully because and, and i even got to the point where one of the pictures presented itself that encapsulated the title so I use this as a playful exercise quite a lot, both on workshops and for myself when I just want to go out low stakes and, and maybe make pictures when I've not got a, an ongoing project or an idea. I'll, I'll often pick an album off the shelves. Right. Okay, right. Let, let's go and see if we can make, you know, there's 11 tracks on this album. Let's go and see if we can make 11 photos that will encompass the feeling I get listening to this album. Uh, and, and and then let's have a little bit more fun and let's recreate the album cover you know as part right. of that body of work and and that's brilliant because you can you know excuse my language but you can correct some absolute shockers <laughs> right <laughs> you, you know in your own mind see right. it's just i find it you know it, it's just taking somebody else's inspiration or a, a creative such as a musician and taking their inspiration to be a trigger for your own inspiration feels like a really interesting two-way process you know to, it allows you to to listen and really focus on the song and really focus on the work and just give it that kind of context of a wraparound and it may be that you know others don't wouldn't necessarily think well i wouldn't have necessarily paired that song with those or that line with those words but it so much of it for me is about a moment as a, right. as, a, as a as a creative person and actually you know just transposing a moment and, and the soundtrack being that kind of 
you know, part of that moment. So that the song's part of the moment, the, the feel of the wind and the sand on your feet, the, the lapping of the tide, it's all part of the moment. And actually, you know, the whole thing of like making a cake is, you know, it, it's lots of ingredients. And at the end of it, you could make, depending on how you meld the ingredients together, you can make any number of things. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where Life's an Ocean came from. And uh, I was very lucky that uh, so my friend David, who I worked with on a lot of the workshops, he's a, he's a very good thinker on photography and he loves his music as well. So he wrote me the forward and he's a surrealist. He will he will absolutely admit that himself. He's a, he's a surrealist. So his forward was very surreal and I think, but worked so well. And because the images are in a way, they're quite abstract and conceptual and not straight images. So so yeah in that sense it, it was about getting having an idea and taking it through to an end point and i just love the concept i mean what i would love to do in a perfect world i mean because obviously i made it a square book so right a 12 you know an album is a square entity <laughs> a piece uh, right of, a piece of vinyl in a sleeve is a square entity so it had to be square because the OCD music lover and me <laughs> said that had to be square, and they're, they're my rules that I played by. Um, but that's kind of led. But I think I have envisaged other projects that are kind of linked to music as well, and where whole ideas of kind of a full twelve-inch handmade book and slipcase. And we've even I've even kind of done field recordings and worked with a couple of musicians on a, on an exhibition I did about six years ago. Um, okay. And just how I just love the concept of how different art forms can meld together in that sense. And, and actually, you can then craft a physical thing out of, out of all the this melting pot of inspiration is it, you know, it is it's endlessly inspiring for me. Absolutely. So and you talked about mood a little bit earlier. Do you find that any one genre or, or can any genre that you know whether it's an up-tempo music or or more reflective do they all get it get you in the photographic mood or or do you turn to a different type uh depending on what you might be shooting i, I guess in that sense uh, and i um and, and our record and cd collection is eclectic right. i should say um and and i don't like and it's a bit like kind of my love of different of other people's photography and of books and music especially I don't like to pigeonhole myself to all the genre and actually I find that depending on what mood you are you either you you're in or you would like to be in uh, so I do sometimes use music to get me into a zone if I want to create a certain feel on a body of work um, but I also use it to take me out of a mood which is quite handy that whole kind of you know when you rather than metaphorically kicking the cat when you're a bit peeved off right. you know slap on a little bit of kind of rage against the machine or break stuff <laughs> by limp biscuit right you know, which is utterly frivolous kind of you know it's not highbrow music but there's something <laughs> just magical about energy whereas you know in other times if i want to slow down i want to chill i want to get into a kind of meditative kind of process with the photography you know that could be driven by listening to 
it could be classical, it could be sort of much slower tempo solo kind of vocalism vocals. You know, Richard Hawley springs to mind. It might be fast, frenetic kind of British indie music or punk. Um, right. And again, it's all about if if I've got a, an idea of a direction. Sometimes there are. Think, yeah, I can use that to get me there, uh, and 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 I guess that's that's something that would differ for lots of people. And I've I've worked with photographers uh, on both on workshops and on collaborative projects and various other things, and I've had people say to me, "I don't really like music," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that's interesting." Um, I'm not sure how you answer that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, you don't hear that often. I mean, in my experience, especially during these chats, it feels like everyone has an opinion about some sort of music. Yeah, it's, I, you know, and, and I know some people, photography or art, you know, the creative thing is, is about the technicalities. And in some ways, you know, so you then got a good friend who, you know, admit, openly admits the family love music. He loves gadgetry. So, you know, they've got fantastic sort of Sonos system. I'm thinking, yeah, but have you listened to some of the shit you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and I say this very tongue in cheek because because right. uh, we have that whole discussion. He says, yeah, but the family love it, but I love the gadgets. Uh, <laughs> and, and in a way, you know, you you then have to think, well, yeah, not, but maybe not everybody does like music, but you know. I can't help being psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess no. Right. I, I just find you know, for me personally, I, I, you know, myself and my wife, music, you know, it, it's huge for us. Whether it be live gigs and the energy, or how it links into the creative stuff, or whether it's just that kind of magic of having a new piece of vinyl or uh, finding something in a in a charity shop or a thrift shop somewhere that you've been looking for for ages or a record shop and that's a little bit like in a way discovering a photography you've never heard of um, right. and you kind of think oh wow i love that work and it's like listen you get that same buzz as to listening to a piece of music for the first time and, and seeing somebody's work or a body of work for the first time and it's and 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 that's led us on a whole weird voyage of discovery and that we i will quite often buy albums based if i think the cover looks really nice i may have never heard of the band or it's artistic or it's just cool i will buy it and nine out of ten times it doesn't fail me there's always something on there that <laughs> this is pretty cool right do you do you I don't know if this is uh, the same for everybody. Uh, just I feel like with when it comes to music, some people really are, or when it comes to a song, maybe in particular, some people are drawn to the actual music part of it. Some people are drawn to the lyrics. Maybe they just, you know, maybe other people like the combination of the two. <laughs> do you do you lean one way or the other? Is it is it the energy of you know the rhythm and the tempo like you talked about or is it the message that is or, or the story that the lyrics are telling or or i i guess maybe you've probably experienced both of those scenarios yeah i guess i guess in a way 
probably a bit of a bit of all of it, a bit of a melting pot. And in a way, you know, there's, there's brilliant stuff that, you know, the lyrics are very throwaway, but actually the music's just excellent and it doesn't require huge kind of insightful lyrics. And, you know, and that in a way can be the same for, for, uh, for photography and that, you know, a body of work can inspire you and you can make a project or a sequence or a, a collection of stuff. And sometimes it doesn't need words in there because the images are perfect or it needs simple words. So for me, yeah, um, I, I just seem to, I connect with such an erratic kind of an eclectic amount of music that sometimes it's the lyrics sometimes it's the rhythm sometimes it's the the way it's delivered sometimes it's about the attitude sometimes it's about the mood that it can put you in um i'm rubbish at i have to really listen to lyrics and i've got i've got a rubbish memory most of the time i, I write i write things down so i can remember um the wife's brilliant at things she can <laughs> went down a YouTube wormhole the other night watching <laughs> some Mike Reed's pop quiz from the 1980s, which is some okay. British TV program. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lyric around in it. And she got so many of them because she connects to the lyrics so much better than I do. You know, I will sometimes connect to lyrics. And sometimes we've found that. So we have a, a kind of a shared a band that we both really love, a British guitar -y indie band that's been going for... 30 odd years now, got a band called The Wedding Present. And mm -hmm. the first time Karen listened to them, it, it was the, the album Sea Monsters, uh, which kind of produced by Steve, Steve Albini, who was kind mm -hmm. of mostly linked to you, to the grunge scene and that kind of. Uh, right. And the vocals were specifically down mixed, really, really quiet. And that was a huge frustration because she loves the lyrics. And I just, and I love the kind of the feel and the, the, kind of, the whole package of the, that gave you that kind of dark, heavy somberness. So, so I guess it's it's weird, isn't it, how we all differently connect to stuff in that sense? But I think we've found through you know listening to. I've learned so much more about my favourite band's lyrics to the Wedding Brands lyrics <laughs> through my wife because she connects to the lyrics better than I do. And right. you know things like misheard lyrics. I was going, really. <laughs> I've been singing that line wrong at gigs all these years. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, talking about, you know, the way these pieces fit together in music, and, and of course, there's a similarity in photography with your composition and your exposure and the quote unquote rules, as we say, of <laughs> of, of how the pieces fit together. And, and, and this is just one of many sort of similarities uh between music and photography that that people like to talk about what you know and 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 maybe another way of thinking about it is the way that a photographer may who's working on a project the end result of that is is this physical book that you can hold and for a band it may be this physical album that you can hold and other people have talked about the gear you know photographers like to acquire different cameras and lenses and musicians you know they'll they'll have multiple instruments and that sort of thing I, I was just wondering kind of what are some of those similarities and and maybe differences between music and and photography when you think about them yeah that's probably a, a really difficult one for me to be utterly objective on because 
because for me they are so they have such a kind of symbiotic relationship they're so linked right. that in a way i i really focus on the similarities and you right. know and i love the fact that you know and not an album crafted at you know i often talk about pictures on the workshops and you know we talk about and I often use the metaphors of music. So I'll say, well, if we're thinking about, you know, the standalone image, that's the single off the album. Right. Yeah. And if if, if you're thinking about kind of the sort of your kind of your statement pieces in, in a body of work or a book or a sequence, you know, they're they're the kind of they're they're the kind of the statement pieces or the or the kind of this the the key points on the album that you'll they'll rise and fall between there may be things that divide sections up um and, that's, and you know and then there's then there's the stuff that links and connects so for me for me the whole process i guess in that sense of being creative and making pictures is lyrical is musical in that sense it's you know crafting an album crafting a song is a creative process and to go out and make a picture you make decisions based on some kind of framework that you've learned over time uh some loose rules or you know principles that you tend to push back but actually if you if you kind of if, if you think about the individual stuff that a photographer will do or a creative person will do it's you know they're personal decisions and, and i guess that's really really nicely framed photo um it, by so if dipping back into the kind of the history of kind of photography and photographic theory so john sikowski in the photographer's eye he talks about the kind of the five elements or the five key things that the photographer does which makes photography unique and critical and important you know the, the, things of the frame, the the viewpoint, the detail, the subject. Um, and in a way, the musician, you know, absolutely, they do, they do the same. If it's a personal, they've got that freedom to make a, a, a track or an album that's completely personal. And I think we're seeing so much more of that now through bands connecting with fans through kind of kickstart type platforms. Um, I think it's given them much more flexibility to really do their own thing and to produce the album they want, whereas potentially in the past, and this is kind of metaphorically a little bit like the photographer working on an assignment or a commission for somebody, a record label would have told me, you know, this, this, is this is what we know will sell and we want you to do this. You're not, you're not big enough to have, you know, to have complete artistic control sort of thing and then fans get to a stage where they have artistic artistic license and a bit more control and i think you know art in that sense of photography in that sense you you work through the structure of the framework if you're working on a commission you know you've got certain principles and somebody else's agenda you've got to work to but on a personal project level or a personal body of work you know actually you've got that kind of open-ended ability to produce whatever you would whatever is important for you and, and in that sense music and photography has so many 
similarities you know images for me are can be you know they, they can be up tempo you know if i look at right. some of the work or they can be kind of that kind of think about like a piece of classical music for example you know and that those kind of really kind of triumphant pieces right. you actually think if you break one of those down into a body of and imagine it as a body of photos i look at kind of the really triumphant bits the bits that hit you in their chest and i look at the landscape work an example of something like david ward whose compositions are so graphic so strong and they're like the they're the, they're the bits that hit you and then you've got the quiet stuff the, the stuff that meanders and connects stuff together musically and photography and that you know you, you you produce pictures that are along those lines every you couldn't produce a whole body of work that is boom boom, boom I mean, unless you're linking that to sort of <laughs> high tempo drum and bass. And, right. <laughs> and I maybe had some discussions on whether that's totally music, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I think any type of music, even kind of euphoric dance music, has to have its downs as well. And I think that's the same as photography. I think if you produced a body of work or if all your photography was pow, 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 it would just be overwhelming in a way and i think so i think that's where photography and music come together this you know you, you can play with mood and feeling and moments of quiet and moments of elation and joy and and it's you know i think differences i think you know music photography in some ways it, the differences are, are probably based on consumption versus creation so you know photography as you create or art in some ways even if even if you're you know i'm walking around waiting for the daughter you know to come out of something she's doing with a friend and i'm just photographing you know drain pipes on the side of a building or you're photographing something going on around whilst your son's doing his pole vaulting there's an intentionality to that process you know right. you've actually made a decision to exercise the visual muscles and make pictures and there's something that just spoke to you um so you know and the same when an artist makes an, a song or an album that's an intentional pro creative process when you consume sometimes it's too and i guess it would be the same in a way so it's different but the same but when you consume music sometimes it's less intentional in that you might put something on and you kind of drift off you use it as a means to disconnect and i guess this has been possibly more pervaded now by how we consume music you know if you think so many you know you think back to when you were younger you'd have gone to the shop bought an album on release day and you would put it on and listen to it end to end <laughs> numerous times over it was about connecting with it right um whereas now you know different generations it's about the, the you know the multi-song playlist and I, you wonder how many people listen to an album in its entirety uh, you know in in the younger spectrum um right. and i guess that in a way also mirrors photography you know how many people we see so many images online on social networks and various other things and, and in some ways we need that dopamine wow but it only, that only lasts for a second and you, you're gone, you've gone past somebody's <laughs> images, you're on the next. So that's where, in a way, and I've 
probably took this in a completely different direction. <laughs> but in a way, that's where I guess the connected body of work or a project or a series or a, whatever you want to call it, a piece of work that has some kind of connection and length to it. It's breaking that kind of transient connection like we do with odd songs and odd out pictures on the internet. And actually we're making a commitment to spend time. And I think that, you know, take for me is like going back to listening to an album on day of release and spending time with it and it being a two-way process. Right. No, that that is a great point and that I was curious to get your thoughts on. Uh you, you mentioned you know, music is the soundtrack of your life. You you mentioned listening to music to disconnect. And, and we've talked, you know, a good bit about connecting photography and music, but, but leaving photography out of it completely. I, I mean, what role does music play for you? Is it just, are you always playing something? <laughs> or, um, you know, yeah, yeah talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess nearly always playing something. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit rubbish. And again, this is something the wife will absolutely echo. I don't do silence very well. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, feel the, I feel the void with noise. <laughs> right. Um, so, so, you know, I do, I do love music. And it's whether I'm necessarily playing it or listening to it in my head or humming something on making kind of kind of music semi-musical kind of noises and, and i would never go as far as saying the musical but so uh, yeah so mu music it, for me is it's huge it is you know I, I like i like just that that magic of listening to something and it taking you somewhere I, you know and i i can absolutely you know i have go-to albums that probably favorite albums mm -hmm. across all the years and various genres that that just take me to different places or I can you know it's a bit like kind of a photo book that you never get bored of you, you, there's just something about it that has an alluring collection you know forever changes by love is my all-time favorite album and I will you know I will argue until you know till, till the end of time with anybody who tries to tell me that, that you know i shouldn't love that album and i, I know not everybody you know as he, there's people who've not heard of you know i just think arthur lee and, and as an album it's full of such beautifully crafted stuff and each song takes you to a different moment and it's just pure it's complex yet it's simple and and that kind of that is how how and that in a way they're the kind of photographs that i love the ones that are so complex yet appear simple that you you've no idea how it was done or how but you don't need to know all you need to know is actually and, and this forever changes as an album for me i've no idea how arthur lee came up with such a monumental body of work but i don't care because it just takes me somewhere and equally, I can, if I if I want to be in a, a slightly more frenetic kind of go back to my youth kind of mindset, I'll I'll listen to something like uh, George Best by The Wedding Present. Um, you know, it is full on, you know, frenetic 
jangly indie guitars with lyrics that are so British in a way, so observational that, you know, it's about life. It's about a bit like kind of, doc, you know, really, really cool kind of documentary, but not documentary photography. I think the guy in a uh, Scottish guy called Ian Sargent, who, who has a, who produces photo books and is a publisher, but he, he has this, been doing this ongoing body work for years called um, Out of the Ordinary. And it's those kind of moments that you just think, oh, that's magic. And, it, and in a way, I love, you know, that's what I love about George Best by the wedding present, because it, it's observational moments of mundane life, of life, love, relationships, set to a jangly, you know, they're not love songs, but they're just magical. And then I can, you know, if I, and if I want to be a bit more kind of, you know, I, I guess it's easy at the moment when you look at what, the, <laughs> the stuff going on in the world right. and things can make you angry at times and sometimes you do want you do need to externalize a little bit of that energy so you can just bottle stuff up and so i have albums you know that i just think the music is perfect for that and you know again bridge band or kind of a collaboration from nottingham a, a group called the sleaford mods and i just mm -hmm. so so weirdly unique yet the vocal style the, the, again I, I sit back and i listen to it and i go i absolutely love this it externalizes energy and rage but yet it's poetic in a very urban in a very everyday kind of way yet how the heck does somebody come up with that you know what creative process makes that even happen and then you think, well, how the devil do you remember all these lyrics if you're performing live? And then you kind of read into it a bit more. So, you know, <laughs> this is where you go down wormholes and you read about kind of musicians and, and they have kind of triggers that they do live on stage. And now the lead singer, he, he kind of, you, you'll often see him crack himself on the head <laughs> as, he's, as he's singing. And that's that kind of trigger to remember lyrics. Right. And that's, for me, that's what music just fits into different energies into different moments in life and that's you know I, I think I would struggle to be totally quiet it would even if if, if I wanted zen and utter peace it would still be a, a slight soundtrack to that <laughs> right and you, and you may have touched on this but I was curious because you mentioned uh vinyl a couple of times and you and we talked about the intentionality and considering you know a a collection of of work and that's uh, all of that is true with vinyl right it's not a portable medium uh you you know you have to intentionally want to <laughs> to sit down and listen to an album and you're most likely going to listen to the complete thing right because skipping a track is takes some some manual intervention you're not just going to play an album on shuffle the the vinyl version of it so so are there some specific albums that you do enjoy just listening to oh. on vinyl versus a digital format yeah th there are some and you're absolutely you're absolutely spot on Billy. the fact that they it forces you to be utterly focused on it and to enjoy the immersion whereas the stuff that you have playing 
when you're doing other things and is equally as important but it, it's not that same focus i think vinyl you know it forces you through to the living room where the, where the record deck is it forces you to spend time to to enjoy the sleeve and to to sit and listen and turn it over um so i think if i had to choose some albums that are absolutely critical for me on vinyl Forever Changes by Love, although I can listen to it digitally and I can listen to it on CD, there's something magical about just sitting down, spending time, listening to Arthur Lee as, as a lyrical and musical storyteller. He's just, it's, it's a moment. You've got to have, you know, you've got to give yourself over to, to listen to that moment. And I would say Band on the Run by Wings right. is another one, it, you know, we have friends around and we're sat in the living room. I'll try it or my parents or whoever, I'll try not to put the TV on because it, it's this thing that sucks your eyes in. And right, uh, you, right. you're not necessarily, and, and we'll always put music on. And, and and that's kind of a bit of a, that's a go-to because it, I know if I want, if the music's important, that's an album that is so well-crafted and has moments of magic and up-tempo and, creative elements and down tempo moments yet listening to it i do love some of the kind of the, the re-releases that you see nowadays and that are obviously although more of them are coming out in vinyl in the the box sets and various things but digitally you then hear some of the kind of the those the, the kind of the the outtakes from the artist as well and, I, and there's been a couple of couple of albums where i think oh i wish I wish I could have this on this version on vinyl because I love that kind of vocal focused kind of eight track demo more than the album version. There's a track uh, Solemn Welsh Heart by the Manic Street Preachers. Is there's there's a demo version of that, which I think is probably only on like a Spotify playlist and on like a multi-disc CD thing that is that just blows the out the the, the actual physical album version out of the water but again i think if i think another one that have to, that is magical to listen to because it's so immersive is um love over gold by die straits okay yes it's there's something there's something just immersive in, in the experience of listening to that you know the, the actual telegraph road as a track on there is my go-to track if i ever want to go and test a sound system or a vinyl player <laughs> because i know how that should sound and i know right. you should be able to hear you know the cracks of thunder and it rise and fall and the tempo and the moments of silence but as an album to listen to it's just it's such an immersive experience in that sense and, and it's it's funny you should mention that invariably we're not so transient with vinyl Right. And I I always remember a massive friend of mine as a kid who then went on to be in, in a band called Little Barry, who were a British band who've probably been across to the States quite a lot. And he was renowned. I'd be I thought every song I listened to, because we, we'd go to Woolies, to Woolworths as they were called back then, and buy seven inch singles. And I mm -hmm. thought every song had this bit on it where it zoop, as he lifted the needle up and I'm bored of that. <laughs> And, and and he must he must have been a trailblazer for digital era because yeah he was the only person I know who couldn't listen to 
a whole song, let alone a whole album. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me smile thinking about it. And whenever in the car and somebody skips a track or whatever, or, and I go, oh, just listen to it. Don't be like Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, you know, there is something magical about sitting down and spending time with vinyl, that, you know, and because you can also, it's the experience of not just listening, but, re, you know, a big set of album sleeve of lyrics that you can actually read as you're getting into your late 40s and keep your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and beautiful artwork, you know, you, you think something this big, I mean, that's why in the living room, um, all our, and as a lot of people do, there's, there's some kind of units by a well-known Swedish furniture retailer right? Um, that are perfectly designed for squares and you can mm -hmm. stand vinyl up so you've got the whole, you've got them side on behind and it's about the artwork as well and that's, in a way, that's that's what's magic, isn't it, about vinyl. It's, it's the encapsulation of the whole experience. It is, and it's, uh, you know, going back to what you said about the record release days and going into the shop and buying that album and taking it home and you put it on and listen to it, but you're also absorbing all of the creative work that went into the album cover and if they printed the lyrics on the inside or not. I mean, it's it feels like a lost part of the experience that that we had growing up that maybe uh the younger generation and, and you know if, if you've never had it i guess you don't miss it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it it really was a big part of the experience back then i think yeah it's that whole kind of idea of you know release day isn't it and, and it, i guess it's a bit like how people consume you know tv now you know you think well you, you spent ages looking forward to the next album and you and you weren't drip fed tracks that suddenly then made and uh, were released as an album you you maybe got one single prior to release two and that and yeah and it really wet the appetite and it was about the the magic you know especially if you're a bit of a a bit of a fanboy it's about you know, the magic of the b-sides on right. the singles as well and and how actually you then listen to the album and think how did wow wow how did that not make it onto the album and stuff and it's such a it is like you say it's it's about immersing yourself in the artist's creativity in that sense but but yeah that consumption of waiting and being able to then spend time with something in an in its entirety and you think nowadays you you know it's all about box sets so you don't you don't get drip fed a series and you watch it the next week and you it's a you talk about it in between with your friends at work and ah oh, you see this and you know now and i and i do it just we do it just as much you know you watch something you you look the programming oh there's, there's the other six episodes i'll watch them <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you think you imagine like if you know, all of a sudden, the Rolling Stones have got six, you know, six more albums in waiting to come out, and they suddenly just put them on like box set, and you could like listen <laughs> to all in one go. What a surreal experience that would be! Although it feels a little bit like what Paul Weller did, because right. he he seems to have gone. He went so prolific in the run up and then through lockdown and beyond. It's like album, album, album. And I remember we were meant to go and see him in Manchester for a, a twice cancelled gig <laughs> and you were like 
I have no idea what we're actually going to be hearing at this point. <laughs> you bought it on the strength of an album right. two years ago, and you're thinking, where, where will it be now? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, this has been brilliant, Rob. I, I really appreciate you sharing all of your thoughts and insights about these two things that we all love and enjoy. Uh, how how can people get in touch with you, check out your work, uh, maybe uh, get in touch about a workshop experience? Yeah, well, they can. It, it's been brilliant. That's the first thing I want to say. Thank you so much, Billy. I, you know, and I tend to, I'll have a listen back through. Now, Hillary's yeah. highlighted all these. I will listen back through because <laughs> I love hearing about other people's inspirations, actually. And uh, so I'm really keen to listen to some other stuff. But uh, in terms of getting in contact with us, we're on www.rkphotographic.com. All our workshops are there under a workshop page. So it's everything from the online workshops week that we do. And we've got, we're currently on um, working through one called The Sequence, which is specifically about the art and the practicalities of sequencing a body of work. And the next workshop is the project, which has suggests is about the process of making a project and the the practicalities and we will do it from ideation through to putting it into something as a, as a closed body at the end so uh, all the residentials that we do in scotland the various places on there but uh, i guess you know what the, the thing i love about the online workshops is it allows me to you know meet up and chat with people from across the world you know we've, we've had folks from the states from oh, i mean to be fair we've had people come from germany to residential workshops but i think the online stuff's been magical in that sense because you can connect with other people and different perceptions and and see how see see the work that people produce in their locality and in their local space so, so yeah if people want to check us apart on there that's cool. I'm also on Twitter and I am at RK Photographic. I have got Instagram and that's RK Photographic underscore Rob. I'm a bit I'm a bit lax with my Instagram posting at times. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of those social platforms that you struggle <laughs> struggle to right. keep on, on top of all the time. Um bits and bobs of stuff that go on YouTube, but there's I think there's a link on the, the main website to okay. there. No, don't do as much YouTube stuff as I ought to, video wise as I ought to. So right. yeah, de definitely the website's the place to find us, and uh, you know, always love hearing from people. If it's about to talk about photography and workshops, or even if somebody just wants to talk about music, <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Rob. Thank you, Billy. It's been brilliant. And love chatting. I want to thank Rod Knight again for joining me to share some of his recollections and insights on music and photography. Please do check out his website to learn more about his workshops and his commission work. Thank you, as always, to Mike Gutterman for our theme song, Timeless. Mike makes music for content creators available on his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And thank you to the team over at Sunny16 for hosting Sunny16 Presents feed. You can get in touch with them at sunny16presents at gmail.com. 
And as John Whitmore might say, always try and be a decent human being.